Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. to be here with you today. Welcome to all of you that are with us online, uh, hundreds of people online every single week. I believe 40 different states are uh, tuning in. We even have people from different countries. Uh, Oaks Church is making a big impact, and thank you for the, those of you that are with us locally. Thank you for uh, your generosity, for supporting, for being a part of everything that God is doing here. We love you, and we're excited. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called Significance, and I'm excited to jump right into this message today. I feel like this message is... Um, it's been really heavy on my heart this week. I feel like it's very specific, uh, very timely. I think there's a number of people in our audience in the room and actually also online that this is going to be something that really connects and resonates with your heart, uh, whether you're in a season that I'm gonna describe or you're about to be or you've been in the past. Uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for your word. God, I ask you to speak so clearly. Inspire my heart. God, as I open my mouth, you speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Significance. Last week we talked about how it's the littlest things done in faith that actually become significant. It's not necessarily about doing big things. It's about doing things in faith. We talked about how Jesus is the author of life. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he's the author and the perfecter. And as the author the author of any story creates the significance of the characters. And for us to understand our own personal significance, we find that by going back to the author, building the relationship with him. But inevitably in life, if the enemy knows, the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. If our enemy, Satan, who is an eternal being, a fallen angel, if he knows what it takes to please God, then the number one thing he wants to attack in our lives is the faith that actually is what gives us the ability to please God because he hates God. And if he hates God, guess what? He hates you. You're his arch enemy. You were made in God's image. Did you know angels weren't made in God's image? Only humans. The Bible says these incredible angels, if you read the stories, angels, I, I can't wait to see and meet angels. And, and I mean, some of them massive, incredible, you know, huge but they're jealous of you. It says in the scriptures that they wondered, what is man that God would, would be so concerned with him, that God would be so in love? They don't understand how God could love us so. Um, I drive fast because I don't want my angels to be bored. I want to give them something. I'm just <laughs> Oh. Each of you have angels that are assigned to you. Guardian angels assigned to you to protect you, to watch over you. They're watching you all the time. Are you disappointing them? At times, maybe they're like, really, I got this one, God? You gave me this schmuck right here? Anyway. The enemy wants to attack your faith. Have you ever been in a faith crisis? Ever known anybody that was in a faith crisis? Maybe, um, maybe someone that had incredible faith at one point in time in their life, but found themselves going through things. You know, life is a cycle of, uh, of good times and bad times. 
one of my favorite bands is the band U2. It was the first, first band. I wasn't allowed in the 80s to have actual rock and roll music. I could only listen to Christian music in my house. Petra, Striper, right? Some, you remember some of those bands? Uh, I mean, Christian rock and roll bands. Guys, it wasn't quite the same, I'm gonna tell you. And, 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 and so we learned how to pirate cassettes. You remember when they came out with the boom box that had two different cassettes, and you could, you could play on one side, record on the other, and we would make mixtapes. Kids nowadays don't know the first thing about a mixtape, right? And we had mixtapes, and my first album I ever had was the Joshua Tree album by YouTube. Probably one of the greatest albums of all time. Definitely the greatest concert that I've ever been to. I don't get, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, starstruck when I see a celebrity or something like that. It doesn't really do something. But I was five foot away from Bono, and I couldn't breathe. I just got to tell you. I mean, 60-whatever he is, those leather pants, the guy still got it. I mean, he's just still got it. But Bono, I, I read in an article one time, he said, he's a very spiritual person. He said, the type of music that moves me is music that either describes running toward God or running away from God, because that's life. Uh, there's a song that, that really touches my heart, strikes my heart. It's a different band. Some of you may know it's a band called The Fray, and they wrote a song called You Found Me. In the song You Found Me, the, the, the lead singer Isaac Slade, he wrote this song while going through an incredibly hard time, he's a Christian, he has very important and strong Christian faith, but he was in the middle of a faith crisis. Uh, things were, being, uh, were going horribly bad in his life. He had death going on, he had distress, sickness going on, he had all kinds of stuff happening in his life, and he was in a place where he literally was at odds with God. Have you ever been angry at God? And in, in his sleep one night, he had a dream. And in his dream, he encountered God. And he met God on a corner, a street corner, and in his dream, God looked like Bruce Springsteen. And he was smoking a cigarette. Some of you are like, well, that is not, I don't know. the Bible says that there's smoke and habits, the, pre, and the incense and what, I'm not saying, it's not a pro-smoking message, firstly, I'm not a pro, but it, this is his dream, okay, just a dream. But in his dream, he has it out with God, and he wakes up from the dream, and he writes this song. I found God on the corner of First and Amistad, where the West was all but one. But all alone, smoking his last cigarette, I said, where have you been? He said, ask anything. Where were you when everything was falling apart? Where all my days were spent by a telephone that never rang. All I needed was a call that never came to the corner of First and Amistad. Lost and insecure, you found me. Lying on the floor, surrounded. Why'd you have to wait? Where were you? Where were you? Just a little late, but you found me. Man, that, I can relate to that. I, I've been through seasons of my life. When I was molested as a kid, God, where were you? I suffered for decades. Where were you? Why would you let that happen? When my daughter died of brain cancer, God, where were you? 
When my wife was chronically as sick and in pain and was in bed four and five days a week for months and months at a time, God, where were you? You're all powerful. You, you can just do the little skadoosh pinky thing and change everything. Why would you let me go through this? Have you ever been in that place? Lost in insecurity. Lying on the floor. Felt surrounded by enemies. Man, I've been through some seasons where I have felt surrounded by enemies. Well, I've been through seasons where I felt like I was surrounded by frenemies. You ever had a frenemy? Someone that you, 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 you bared your heart to? Someone that you gave your, your confidence to? Someone that you told everything just to catch a dagger? Chances are we've all been through seasons like this. We've all been through times where we felt abandoned. King David could relate to this. King David, he wrote a song out of his own pain. The story of David is an incredible story. If you really look into the, the history of David and, and the behind the scenes and some of the explanations that the Jewish traditions and, and the Talmud um, is what it's called, they're, they're traditions of the actual story of his life that he was abandoned by his parents. He was abandoned by his father, abandoned by his brother. He was given the lowest job. He was sent out to be the shepherd boy. Uh, the traditional Jewish belief is because his father thought that he was a bastard, that his, his mother had strayed and, and, and become pregnant, and it wasn't actually his child. So he rejected David and made him the, 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 like the slave of the family, the reject of the family, and he was, he was a shepherd boy because secretly they hoped that the Lord would bring vengeance and, or and, and, and justice to the father who was wronged with a wayward wife. It wasn't true, in fact. But David spent his entire life feeling abandoned by his brothers and his father. Psalms 22, verse 1, he says, My God, my God, why have you? forsaken me, David writes. Verse 12, he says, many strong bulls surround me, bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. He's pouring his heart out to the Lord. He's crying out to the Lord in anguish. My heart is turned to wax. It's melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot shirt. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them, and they cast lots for my garment. David, in such anguish, in such feeling of abandonment, God, why have you forsaken me? Writes a song having no clue, having no idea that hundreds of years later, his song would be fulfilled in the life of Jesus. That Jesus on the cross would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Surrounded by enemies. All my bones are exposed. My bones are out of joint. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Jesus cried out. He said, I thirst. He was poured out. His hands were pierced. They cast lots for his garment. David had no idea in his lowest point 
that he was creating a song that the Messiah would fulfill hundreds of years later. I don't know why we go through what we go through. I don't know why we have seasons of suffering. I don't know why we have times where we feel like God is so far away from us and that he has abandoned us. But what I do know is that he has made a promise. He will never forsake us. He will never leave us. And that no one can snatch you out of his hand. And even when you feel the farthest away from him, he's right there near you. And he'll meet you the exact way you need to be met, even if that means looking like Bruce Springsteen. He's just that good. He's just that good. I learned long ago that asking why does this happen is the wrong question. It's, it's an endless question that never gets answered. The right question the Lord taught, taught me to ask was, what do you want me to learn from this? And if I could focus on the lesson, if I could focus on learning, I could move out of that season faster. My friend Sam says this all the time. God never wastes a hurt. He uses our pain for someone else's victory. Jesus understood abandonment. Jesus is the author of your story. He is fully aware of the pain of life. He came, he didn't have to come to the earth. He was God. He was God's spoken word, God's declared word. He didn't have to come to the earth. He chose to come to the earth to become a human, to identify with us, to learn how to relate to us, to love us even more, to understand us and to win every single battle for us. Today, I want to jump into a story about a man named Gideon. While I was out on sabbatical, I was stuck in the book of Judges. I read the book of Judges over and over and over and over. I, I just couldn't quit reading it. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a dark period in Israel's history. It's a period where they, were, they, they, they had moved into seasons of rebellion, where they would go for decades and no one would worship God. They would erect altars to Baal, who is uh, represented as uh, a bull. If you want to see Baal, you go to Wall Street and look at the giant bull. That's Baal, the god of wealth, power, god of money. You think we don't have idols in America? Oh, we do. Ashtoreth poles. An ashtoreth pole was a giant vertical pole that was supposed to represent a male's anatomy. It was a fertility god, a god of fornication. The way you worshiped these gods was extremely perverse. And so because the nation of Israel continued to rebel, to engage themselves in the culture of the world and move into perverse attractions and forms of worship, Oh, well, I don't worship other gods, Joel. I don't worship other. Where does your attention go? Where does your wealth go? Worship means worth-ship. You can worship the God of fashion. I'm going to get in trouble. All the ladies are going to leave the church. If you spend more on shoes and purses than you do on your tithe. If you give more to your 
habits and hobbies than you do to the kingdom of God. Oh, here he goes. The preacher just wants my money. No, God wants your heart. God wants your heart. And the reality is he knows humans. And the only way you can really know if you have a human's heart is by what they do with their treasure. This is the Bible. So Gideon, he's oppressed. He's angry. The nation of Israel has been subjugated and taken uh, basically captive by a neighboring nation called the, the Midianites. And they were a marauding group of people and they were a massive population. The Bible describes them being like locusts, that they would come into a territory and literally be like locusts and just take over and they were everywhere. Uh, Jennifer and I live in the country about 35 minutes north of here. We have 12 acres and we got to experience locusts grasshoppers, your locusts, a biblical proportion, thousands, millions. Forget your landscape. It ain't, you have no idea. You live in Plano, McKinney. The only plague you have is bunny rabbits. Eating your azalea bushes and your pansies and your lamb's ears. You have a bunny rabbit infestation. You don't know locusts. You don't know grass. I'm talking everywhere you go, everything you do. Egypt-style locusts. Eating everything. Verse 11 of Judges 6. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So you normally thresh wheat in the open because you want the wind to take the, the, the chaff. You, you thresh it and you beat it and the grain is heavy and it falls. The wind pushes. But because of the locust, the Midianites, anything that you did that had value, they would come and raid you and steal. So here's Gideon. His name means hewer. A hewer is someone that swings an ax. A hewer is someone like that works in the mine and cuts stone or that swings an axe and cuts trees. He was named as if he were a battle axe. But he's living in total subjugation, having to do his work underground, hiding in a wine press to thresh wheat, having to do double work because now there's no wind to help the chaff be blown away. So he's having to thresh it and then sort it and he's mad and he's angry. And God meets him right there. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, pardon me? my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us all about where they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? The Lord shows up. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon says, oh, really? Pardon me, don't mean to be rude, but really? You're with us? Well, then where are you? 
Because I've heard all these miracles my whole life. I've heard all this God stuff my whole life. But I'm in a wine press, hiding. God says, no, you're a mighty warrior. The word that God used for warrior, it means army. That's huge. That's huge. Because when we feel abandoned, we feel alone. We feel like a single. No plus one. But God says, no, you're an army. Gideon couldn't see what God had in store. Did not, the Lord not bring us up out of Egypt, but the Lord has abandoned us, given us to Midian. God says back to him, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon says again, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I'm the least of my family. The Lord answered him, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites. Can I tell you today, when God sees you, God sees you as a mighty warrior. He doesn't see you alone. He doesn't see you as weak. He doesn't see you as the least of your clan. He doesn't see you as abandoned. He doesn't see you as lacking anything. I mentioned last week that God sees the end from the beginning. When God sees you, he sees the complete version of you. He doesn't see the you in crisis. He doesn't see the you half-baked. He sees what you already are to him because God exists outside of time. He doesn't live inside of time. We have watches. God doesn't need a watch. If you could imagine... The old movie reel where, where it was a motion picture, but it's all individual pictures. They're all still pictures. And you play them through, and they're all in this big, long reel of film. And you play them through with the light shining, and it ticks, tick, 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 tick. And it looks like it's in motion, but they're all individual still shots. Thousands and thousands of still shots. And God has the ability to step into any and every still shot he wants to in your life. We see it in motion and time. God exists in the everlasting. He sees you as a warrior. Gideon was a mess. You might think your life's a mess in some ways. God sees you as a warrior. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You're a part of Oaks Church because God has called you to be a mighty warrior. Before I was born, the prophecy, when my mom and dad didn't think I was gonna make it, they had a bad, pro they had a bad report from the doctor. Thank God for God's prophecy instead of doctor's reports sometimes, amen? Nothing against doctors. We love doctors. Thank you for your service. But God is the great healer. They were in a church in San Diego, California. When the doctors told them the baby wasn't gonna make it, they went to their prayer group prayer group gathered around. One of the men in the prayer group had a gift of prophecy. He began to prophesy about this baby, what the baby would do. 
what type of man the baby would be, that the baby would be a mighty man of God and raise up a great army for God. That prophecy haunted me my whole life. No teenager wants that prophecy. Oh, the, the responsibility, the weight. No. All my life, my parents told me I was going to be a pastor. I was going to be a man of God. I was going to do great things for God. I was going to do all, all my life. They told me this stuff. My mom named me intentionally. Joel Nathaniel. Don't tell nobody the middle name. Joel Nathaniel means declarer of God and the gift of God. Couldn't escape it. I tried, guys. I tried for 20 years to not be a pastor. The next 20 did not start a church. But God picked me reluctantly. And I can either rebel and reject what he's called me to be. Or I can embrace it. And if you're called to be a part of this, you're called to be a part of an army. Doesn't mean you have to be weird. But it means you have to be influential in your own way. Shine your light in your own way. Stand up in your own way. Represent the kingdom in your own way. He's called us to make a difference. We cannot be a church of existers, just survivors, couch potatoes, spectators. God has called us to be on the field, in the game, in the battle, making a difference. That is the call of Oaks Church. In Isaiah 61, where we have the declared name for Oaks, Isaiah 61, verse 3, the Messiah, the people that belong to the Messiah, God called them Oaks of Righteousness, a planting of the Lord for his splendor and glory. And it says that they would be people that rebuild, restore, and renew places that the enemy has devastated and left in ruins. That is the mission of Oaks Church. We are restorers, rebuilders, and renewers of the things that God wants to do in the earth. We are active participants in God's building economy. He wants to move forward and do big things, and he can't do it with stationary people. we got to be in motion. Amen? Gideon had an attitude. He was angry. If you read my journal, I document my prayers. It's my number one habit that I have that keeps me, it's my, it's my, it's my North Star. It, it keeps me on track. I can go back and look and follow my journey. Before I ever started this church, I looked at years of my journal. I went back through literally three years of my journal and I read through every single thing the Lord said me. So I knew that I knew that I knew I wasn't missing him. In doing this. But you better believe in my journal. There's lots of arguments. There, there are colorful conversations with God. Where I don't sound very churchy. Don't sound too pastoral. Because I'm mad. I'm hurt. But God has always met me. Right where I was. See, I think God likes a little fire in his people. I think he likes a little, a little spunk, a little kick. 
I, before, before I um, met Jennifer, I was dating another girl um, that was really just boring. <laughs> Jennifer was so exciting. So much fun. She's got an attitude. She keeps me in check. She puts me in place. This other girl, I could have just run right over her. Not this one. Uh-uh. God likes a little spunk. He's not afraid of some edge. He, he picked the Jews who he called stubborn and stiff-necked over and over and over and over. But he needed people with some backbone, some grit. To Gideon, when Gideon is the midst of his, in the midst of his anger at God, God says, go in this strength of yours. That fire that's in your belly. Another translation says, go in this your might. When Gideon's in the middle of saying, where are you? Where is this God? What's going on? Why are we going through this? And God's like, now we're talking. That's the fire I've been looking for. Did you know that so many times you'll find God's favor in the midst of your frustration? Oh, that was good. Tweet that one. That's not in my notes. You'll find his favor in the midst of frustration. You'll be in a frustrated place and you're saying, God, where are you? God, where are you? He's like, right where I want you. Because when you're frustrated, I got a little fire in your belly and I can give you some instructions. And if you'll just follow my favor, I'll move you into a place where you can do something significant for me. Frustration. It's good for you. Makes you adjust your plan. Makes you shift some things around. What do they say? Necessity is the mother of, in, of invention. Frustrated. How many great inventions have there been because somebody was frustrated? Benjamin Franklin, like, another, I can't take one more candle in this house. <laughs> Go in this strength of yours. Go in this your might. I believe God is calling each and every one of us to step out into something new. Nobody has fully arrived yet. All of us are still in journey. I feel like he's calling us to step out into something new. You might be in a baby step place where, you, where you've been away from God and you feel like you don't have any faith at all. He's calling you to take some baby steps. Start taking some baby steps of faith. When Gideon realized what was going on and, and, that, and that God was, was revealing him to, to revealing something and stirring something, his response, Judges 6, verse 17, watch this. The response to the word of God was this. Gideon said, if I have now found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please don't go away I, until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. Gideon's first response, he's far away from God, abandoned by God, angry at God. But at the first hint, maybe God is with me. Hold tight. Can I just go get my offering? See, Gideon understood a principle. You give your way out of a tough time. You sow your way out of a famine. 
Some people feel like, I, I can't serve, I don't have enough time. You might not have enough time because you don't serve. I can't give, Joel, I, I can't afford it. You might not be able to afford it because you don't give. So you're not tapping into his blessing and his promises. The promise of God on your finances is connected to your faithfulness with his kingdom. Gideon's first response, wait here, God, let me go get my offering. He brings an offering, a young goat in broth, sets it down in a bowl. The angel of the Lord says, take the meat out of the bowl and put it on the rock and pour the broth out as an offering to the Lord. And then he calls fire down from heaven and the, and the offering is consumed. And instantly Gideon goes, oh my gosh, I'm actually, actually in the presence of God. Please don't kill me. In the angel of the Lord, it's most likely actually Jesus manifesting in the earth. Story after story after story in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Before Jesus was born as a human, he would reveal himself to people in a spirit form. And they'd have encounters with him. He says, be at peace. This is what, this is what the angel of the Lord said. Be at peace, you will not die. And it was at that place and at that moment Gideon named that place Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. One of the names of God, this is so big, guys. One of the names of God that we know, that we pray, that we connect to the nature of God, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. It was birthed in a place of frustration and abandonment in a fight of faith. baby step. Let me, let me just go get a little offering. It's a baby step. He obeyed it. And God says, all right, now, now we're ready to do something significant. Watch what God says next. We're almost done. Judges six verses 25. That same night, the same night, they just had the argument. They just went back and forth. God says, you're a mighty army. I'm going to be with you. I'm sending you. You're going to destroy the Midianites. Gideon says, let me go get my offering real quick. Burns it up in front of him. Names the place Jehovah Shalom. And the same night, God says, take the second bull from your father's herd. That's interesting. Because God all through scripture wants the first. But here he wants the second. Take the second bull from your father's herd. The one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal. Gideon's dad had his own altar to Baal. And cut down the Asherah pole beside it. His dad was the leader of the city. Had his own altar to Baal and Asherah. Complete openness to wickedness inside of the city that Gideon lives in. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this, using the wood from the Asherah pole. <laughs> I love that. Just chop that thing up and burn it. Uh, that you cut down, offer the second bull as an offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. Because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. So you see Gideon, he's, this is his first night. 
He's, he's trying to step out. He's trying to obey. Now God is calling him into this next phase. Your pathway to significance is connected to significant worship. Significant worship is the way to significance. Significant worship. You gave me the goat. That's good. Now I want you to step out. Now I want you to do something a little gutsy. God says, now I want you to do something a little bold. Go tear down those altars, your dad's altars, and take from his herd the second bull. How long had they been oppressed by media? Do you remember what I told you in the beginning? Seven years. How old was this bull? Seven years. Scholars, as I studied and read, because I've never seen God ask for the second thing ever. He always asked for first. The scholars believe that the first bull had been dedicated to Baal. Hey, this is big. This is so big. You may have had entire seasons of your life that you've dedicated everything of who you are to a false God. And God says, hey, guess what? That's okay. Give me your second. <laughs> Give me your second. You spent the first wrong, but bring me your second and watch me redeem seven years in a single night. I'm wondering how many of you will say yes to the adventure. I can't finish the story of Gideon today. I've got to finish it tomorrow. There's a whole other phase of his story. I'm just wondering how many of you will say yes to the adventure. I believe God is calling some of us to do something significant. An act of faith. Remember, anything done in faith is significant. I believe that God is calling some of us to, to, to put some habits that we've had on the altar. Ways that we spend our time on the altar. Ways that we spend our money on the altar. Things that we've been pursuing on the altar. I believe God's calling us as a people to bring the second bull to move into a place of significant worship sacrifice to say yes to the adventure listen some of the most boring times in my life have been times where I wasn't serving God actively in his church felt real dry went to church but kind of went to church for me Feed me. Play my song. Oh, I don't like this song. Don't like this message. I'll go to a different church that'll play my song. Tell me what I want to hear. God didn't call me to tell you what you want to hear. He called me to tell you what he say. <clears throat> and we got to get on the battlefield, y'all. We got to get in the game. We, we got to be people that say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop sitting around. Guys, we've been, for, for almost three years, shut down, stay at home, cover your face up, do what you're told, don't talk back, stay in your life, don't pay attention to what the teachers are doing. No, 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 don't watch the Zoom. Don't watch the Zoom classes. We don't want you to know what's going on in here. Just keep your mouth shut. We're called to be salt and light. I believe somebody in here, God's gonna call you to give 
significantly. Move out of a place of just, okay, here's a little God. And move into a place where you're like, God, you are the God of everything in my life. Anything and everything. Sell this, downsize that, whatever. I'm moving your kingdom forward. I believe God's going to call somebody. Everybody's in different places. Some people are giving more than they, some people are giving so much, it's irresponsible. And other people, nothing. And God's calling all of us to give our best. The best of your time, the best of your talent, the best of your treasure. And he will reward us for it. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen? I'm going to pray for you today. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love. God, I don't know where your people are today in their own personal journeys. Everyone's got their own things going on. There may be people that they're, they're completely obedient in one area and not so in another. Where, where they feel fully engaged with you on one side of their life and they feel completely abandoned on another. But Father, I know that your word is like the voice of many waters. It has the ability to touch everyone in different ways, in different places, at different times. Father, I'm asking you to penetrate the hearts of your people and to draw them to you and bring them into a place of obedience where they give the very best of themselves, where they move out of the place of anger, where they harness the, the fire of frustration and begin to do something. They move away from being just someone that talks about stuff, talks about things, has opinions about stuff online, and they actually get in the game and are a part of the battle and be salt and light to this earth that you've called us to be connected to. Father, would you move significantly in our hearts today? If there's anybody here or anybody watching right now online and you know that you've been on the sideline, you've been uh, in a hidden place, you've been in a season of life where you've been angry, you've been frustrated, uh, and you've not been allowing God into that place, and today is your day to say yes, today is your day to come back to him, today is your day to, to repent of the anger and to allow him to give you a pathway for that frustration, to find a focus, to ignite a fire, to move into his favor. In the name of Jesus. If that's you, I want you to do something in this, in this room. In this room, I want you to do something bold. I want you, if, if you know you've been in a place of frustration and you've been resisting, resistant against God, and I'm the first one standing. You've been frustrated and in some ways you've been resistant against God because you've been angry about certain things. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me right now. That's you, just stand. Be bold enough to stand. We're gonna pray. If that's you online, just say, just in the, in the comment section, just say, that's me, Joel. I've been frustrated. I've been angry about stuff. And, and, and it's time for me to say yes to God. This is a moment to say yes to God. This is a moment to, to, put things, uh, to put things down, to lay things down, and to give of ourselves in a greater way than ever before. Would you just all across this room, just do this. Just lift your hands like this. All across this room. And if you're with us online and it's safe for you to raise your hands, uh, do so. In the name of Jesus, Father, we give our lives to you. We lay our lives down to you. Father, thank you for allowing us seasons of frustration to find the fire in our belly that points us toward a focus where we can walk in your favor. Father, we repent for pride and we ask you to, to forgive us and move us into this place where you are with us, where you've called us to be a mighty army for you. In Jesus' name. Father, we love you. We give you praise and glory and honor. We accept our position in the mission. 
Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you all. Thank you for your faith. I'm going to turn it over to Travis. Uh, we'll continue with the story of Gideon next week. I'm excited to share with you. Uh, love you. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of Oaks Church. We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.